What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Speak Now. We are back again at it. Um, make sure to like and subscribe to keep up to date with all that we're doing uh, and all that's going on here at this channel. Uh, how are you guys feeling? Eli, how's your week been? You know, not too bad. I mean, I got to watch a Bucks W against the Pistons yesterday, so that was fantastic. And since, like, obviously in the region, I get mostly Pistons Twitter, Twitter news, um, just because I follow Detroit sports, so sometimes Twitter will just give me that. And it was kind of funny to see the roller coaster of Pistons fans' emotions. But, I mean, you know, it's just great to see a Bucks W. Um, now I get to look forward to the Lions – so it's not too bad. The last week was a little sad. I mean, no Lions, but got to enjoy a good slate of football. So, you know, it's a good day. What did you think about that ejection there, Eli? For I mean, it it's just it's just like the NFL refs. They're soft. I mean, I don't know what's happened to the NBA at the same time. Yeah, I mean, what he, he, he Isaiah Stewart is too small. I mean. I could go I could go all all in on like the Pistons and all their I think honestly their team is uh not a fan of the, how their rebuilds going. So I was pretty mad when I first saw that to be honest. I mean, if you look back at the old NBA like Sean Kemp pointed at a guy like that and he didn't get ejected. So I mean, let the guys have some fun, especially especially for the fans paying the egregious ticket prices these days to go see their players and you eject them for something soft like that. Like, come on. But, you know, it was a good win. Cade Cunningham sucks in the fourth quarter and the Bucks took the W. Dang. Yeah. The game, the game was pretty close, but uh, yeah, I know what you're saying. I agree. I agree. Yeah, that was I mean, uh, very soft. So they're kind of doing the same thing in the NFL with some of the fines and some of the things that you hear about, you know, this guy gets 13,000, this guy gets 13,000 for, um, you know, pretty much, pretty much, not much of anything for having they too find, much fun, basically. So they find Jalen Warren. They find Jalen Warren for his whole game check because he he threw down a block. Like I don't know if you guys saw that play where you got fined thirty three thousand dollars for doing what he's supposed to do. I was I was in disbelief when I saw that, especially a guy that's getting paid like a million a year, like Jalen Warren, like. Especially with like the taxes they get out of their contracts, like thirty three thousand dollars is a lot for Jalen Warren at the moment. Like I that mean, was he, kind of trash. He's not even getting paid a million. He's on his rookie deal. He was an undrafted free agent. Yeah, like and they try oh, to even justi- worse then. Yeah, they try to justify the NFL tries to justify it by saying it goes into like this fund for like retired players and all that stuff. And I'm like, and it's like I was reading this article because yeah, this has been coming up where he gets, like, Jalen Warren especially, where it's, like, basically a huge percentage of his paycheck. And it's, like, on average, people in the NFL last maybe three years. Like, dude, the dude needs his money. Like, he's not, like, a superstar that's gotten paid. Like, I think Jalen Warren will get a second contract at this point. But still, like, you don't know that for sure. And it's, like, this dude only has X amount of time to make money to set him and his family up for life. And it's just, like... Dude, and then Roger Goodell makes like what, like sixty million, something like that, a year. It's like something outrageous. Like Roger Goodell is a joke, and you know what? You can at me if you disagree, because I think we all, I think everyone agrees. This is why he gets booed every year, and it's rightfully so. The man makes so much money, and he 
just these players don't a lot. And I think there's like a high percentage of players that after the NFL end up in like poverty and stuff like that. So it's like teach your players how to manage their money, but also stop taking their money while they're playing for stupid penalty for like things that aren't even called on the field. Like that's outrageous to me. It's like, that is like a legal block and he gets fined for it for being rough. Well, Roger Good Roger Goodell just prefers to have his martinis with all of the owners in the in the boxes on prime time football with Jerry Jones. So I mean, the guy the guy's just in cahoots because he somehow managed to get the NFL commissioner job, and he somehow managed to get another extension recently. He does nothing. At least Adam Silver, the NBA, he they're attempting to fix the issues within the league, even though there's like. Still, there's plenty of issues, but when you're running a league of that magnitude, obviously there's going to be persisting issues. But yeah, I Roger Goodell's a joke. I don't disagree. I mean, I I think we all got our rants out. I mean, yeah. Jonathan and I at least got a rant out. Steve, you have anything to rant about today? I mean, I know it's waiting for let it all out in. right now. Uh, I think I'll rant as we get into our our topics. Um, uh, yeah, as we get going here, <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you guys do the ranting to start with. Okay. That's like right. normal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for our, our first topic of conversation, we're going to go with the MLB. Uh, congrats, Rangers, for winning the World Series. I know we covered that uh, as it was happening. Um, so we'll get in because it's it's award season. Uh, we agreed to not talk about MVP because MVP is pretty unanimous, at least in the American League. I think there will be a little bit of debate, debate between Mookie Betts and um, – and uh, Ronald Acuna in the National League, but I think Ronald Acuna should win, especially when the Dodgers have two players nominated. If you have two players nominated, like, all right, the one, pl- the other player should probably win it, unless the one of those players just had an outrageous season, which Mookie did, but Acuna's season was really special. And then obviously Shohei, hands down, best player in the game. There's no question about that. Uh, Cy Young, it gets a little bit more interesting. Um, we can start in the American League because I do think that that's the easier one. Uh, Eli, I'm curious uh, who you had. So the finalists in the American League, Garrett Cole, Kevin Gossman, Sonny Gray. Uh, what what are you thinking here in terms of American League Cy Young? Um, I had a clear winner before doing some research, but after a little bit of digging, I still have the same winner. But um, I think it's a little closer than I expected. Um, I guess I didn't really, I didn't really realize how good Sonny Gray was down the stretch. To be honest, um, he only allowed seven runs in his last seven starts. Um, only allowed eight home runs the entire year, which that's huge. Um, Kevin Gosman had two hundred thirty-seven strikeouts, which led the league. Um, that's a crazy amount. Um, and he only had a 0.291 on base percentage, which is also um, really good. He had the higher, highest ERA out of the three in the AL. But ERA is not completely everything. Like, you can't just base the Scion off ERA, obviously. But my winner is Garrett Cole. I mean, Garrett Cole down the stretch was pretty dominant as well, which I think I think if Garrett Cole struggled and Sonny Gray had his dominant stretch um, in, in August and September – I think we might have a different discussion, but Garrett Cole also finished really strong, had a 0.98 whip, which was phenomenal. Um, only had a 
2.63 um, batting average against and a 2.63 ERA, I believe. So he was dominant this year. Really the only bright spot on the Yankees in a year that they had a lot of injuries and then just inconsistent um, bats, um, inconsistent pitching with Rod- Rodon and uh, Nestor Cortez and uh, Severino. So I think Garrett Cole was really the only reason the Yankees team was in the playoff contention as long as they were. Um, so I had Garrett Cole winning it, but I think Sonny Gray should be second. And I I do think this race was a little closer than what I expected before. Um, I had Garrett Cole as well. Um, my only problem with Sonny Gray is I believe his record was eight and eight. And uh, he also only pitched, I think, 184 innings. Um, my problem with Gaussman is that he's in the weakest division um, in the American League. So um, so there's some, I have some issue issue with that. What's your look, Eli? I don't know if I consider the AL East the weakest division in the MLB, in the do you have Gossman on the wrong? Do you have Gossman on the wrong team? I apologize. Gossman's on Toronto, so he's uh, in the yeah, East. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say a, a division, a division with Baltimore and New York. Nope, 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 well, nope, nope. I was going to say yeah. you're going to make that same argument for Garrett Cole, then. Yeah, no, 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 nope, nope. I have that wrong. So, <laughs> no, Garrett Cole. I mean, fifteen and four. Look at you know, over two hundred strikeouts as well. Um, the the better record. Um. You know, I don't, I don't know how much he could put the team thing. I mean, when he had the opportunity to go against other pitchers, you know, he he won the games and had the innings over. You know, he had pretty much every measurable over Sonny Gray, so I don't really see much there. Um, another guy that I see wasn't in the top three, and I guess Sonny Gray being in the top three with an eight and eight, I guess I don't see his numbers being like, you know, back in the day where like Felix Hernandez would have a, 1.9 or 2.1 ERA, it'd be like 11 and 14 or something like that. I, I didn't quite see that with with Sonny Gray, I guess. Um, another guy that I had was Felix Bautista from the Orioles. I just didn't see that he had enough innings pitch, but to be over 100 strikeouts and uh, be on the uh, you know Orioles over 100 wins, obviously it was a you know shutdown deal there for the Orioles as as a closer. So. I know pitching's different nowadays. Um, guys get pulled sooner, things like that. So it's it's really, I think you really gotta look at the numbers, and it's it's not just cut and dry wins and, and this and that. But uh, I, I'd go with Garrett Cole as well. I think just historically, um, and then with with the whip and everything, like you said, Eli, I, I completely agree. Yeah, I also had Garrett Cole uh, winning this. I didn't. Again, like I didn't think that this one was that close. Um, he, I know wars and everything, but he's more than two wins uh, higher than Sonny Gray. Who Sonny Gray, I have as second. I I agree with Eli there. Um, but yeah, led the league in ERA. Garrett Cole, WAR, um, for pitching, uh, led the league in shutouts, WHIP, ERA plus, hits per nine inning. Uh, just a dominant year. And Garrett Cole has had a stretch of dominance uh for several years now and i and you see a lot of times where like the cy young winner can be like one of those guys where they kind of get their due um garrett cole has a couple of second place finishes so i think the writers are definitely gonna uh, give it to him i have him as my clear uh american league cy young uh switching gears to the national league 
we have Zach Gallen, Blake Snell, and Logan Webb, who um, are the finalists for that. I'll, I'll start us off here. Um, Zach Gallen, 17-9, and 3.47 ERA, uh, led the league, uh, the National League in shutouts with one, so not that many, which Logan Webb also did that. Um, but I have uh, I have Blake Snell winning this. Uh, just an absolutely dominant year from him. Um, he was 14 and nine with a 2.25 ERA. So kind of like Steve talking about like with win losses uh, and then you see like that dominant ERA. Um, so it kind of reminds me of like a prime Felix Hernandez year in terms of that. Uh, led the National League for pitching war. Um, had 11.7 strikeouts per nine innings. I know some people are going to cite his walks. I believe he led the league in walks, uh, but he still had a higher ERA plus than Garrett Cole did. Um, and he also had the fewest hits per nine inning uh, for, uh, in the National League. Um, so for me, he's he's the clear uh, Cy Young winner there. And actually, I have Logan Webb as second. Uh, Zach Gallen's third to me. I know Logan Webb had a losing record, but again, I don't re- record doesn't really matter as much uh, in today's day and age, especially when you take into account the fact that Logan Webb had a higher award than Zach Gallen, was tied with him in shutouts, led the league in innings pitched. Um, he also had the fewest led the league in uh, walks per nine innings in terms of fewest. He only allowed one point three walks per nine innings. And he had 6.26 strikeouts per nine innings, or sorry, strikeouts per walks, um, which led the league as well. So Logan Webb at second, Blake Snell uh, as my winner in the National League for Cy Young. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Go ahead, Eli. No, you you can go ahead. I went first to the AL. All right. Um, Yeah, I was looking at this as well. Um, I know Blake Snell won the uh, Cy Young in the American League in 2018 for the Rays. Um, So I I was looking at his statistics, and I'm like, what did this guy do between 2019 and 2022? He's kind of littered with three and four ERAs, things like that. And you look at the numbers this year, kind of like Jonathan pointed to, 5.8 hits per nine innings pitched, a 181 average. don't quote me on the numbers exactly, but I, I think it's somewhere in that area. And it's just, uh, you look at the numbers and you try to be like, well, this guy won it in 2018. Is he going to get it again? But it's just the numbers are just, I guess, too dominant, you know, in comparison. Like you said, the war, everything else, a good record. Um, I think you got to give it to, to Blake Snell. Um, and I would I would agree with you guys um, as far as the three that are up there, um, Logan Webb. I don't completely agree on the point about the one loss. Eleven and thirteen is still eleven and thirteen. I mean, you get to those zero zero one zero games and things like that, and you know, kind of he's fighting through and not getting that win or getting that loss. But you know, maybe a reliever came in and, and that sort of thing. So you, you don't know what happened there. And that is a uh, that division is you know, hard fought, low scoring, things like that. So I understand where Jonathan's coming from on that one. Um, another guy I has, um, besides the, there's a couple of relievers there. I think Devin Williams and Hader from uh, um, the uh, the Padres. Um, it's just that uh, uh, Spencer Strider from the Braves um, just happened. I know he's 20 and five. 
ERA is a little bit higher, but 280 strikeouts and um, getting 20 wins in this day and age, regardless. I know the Braves' historic offense go through huge stats, but uh, I think he could have been in consideration as well if he extended this, you know, one or two more guys. So, but yeah, saying all, all that, I go with Blake Snell. Yeah, I, uh, I, to similar points, I also have Blake Snell is, uh, he also had 12 scoreless starts as well, which is a crazy amount. He just didn't give up runs down the stretch. Um, I would definitely have Webb second. Um, it was he, like Jonathan said, he had the lowest walk rate. He also had the highest ground ball rate, 33 games pitched. And the Giants offense wasn't all that great. So I think that definitely contributed. He also had his struggles in the beginning of the year, if I recall. Um, I was kind of surprised to see Zach Gallen up there. I think it was – I also was surprised. Um, I know a name I, – I wasn't sure how he finished. I kind of lost his name, but Justin Steele. Um, I wasn't sure how he finished. I, I thought it would be Justin Steele, Strider, Gallon with the third spot. I'm not really mad who makes the third spot because I think there's an argument for all three. Um I know Steele was pretty much the driving force for the Cubs um, for him for some time, him and Stroman, which Stroman was also in that Cy Young race for the first bit of the season until he fell off. But uh, other than that, I don't I don't mind the MLB's decision. I think the third spot is kind of like the point-wise is probably not far off the fourth and fifth. Usually it's a couple like – uh, an extra second place vote from one of those guys gets them as the third spot. Um, but I think this one's more unanimous for me. I think Blake Snell put up put up some big numbers. His his whiff rates is crazy. His stuff is something else. Yeah, definitely. Wow. So we're basically all in agreement <laughs> for the. First... Well, I don't think the awards are the awards this year are pretty like pretty unanimous is what i'm like what i've seen like i don't think there's there was that one guy where you're like he's just top which is weird too because like blake snell and garrett cole both didn't make the mlb playoffs but like you can't not have them win it still because when they pitched is when their teams won so it's like yeah i mean this isn't mvp where it's like mvp definitely takes into consideration playoffs a little bit more and Unless it's Shohei. <laughs> yeah, unless it's just... Sho- yeah, it, it, like, Shohei's, like, one of the exceptions to the rules, but, like, you remember Mike Trout early on missing out on some MVPs, and one of the main uh, arguments was his teams weren't making the playoffs. Um, so, I, Shohei is different. Um, obviously, he is doing what basically no one else in the history of the game has really ever done. Um, we'll see if he can sustain that. That will be a super interesting topic. Transitioning, obviously, he's a free agent. Um, he will not be pitching next year, um, so he will be DHing. So whatever team gets him, they're going to have to have him as their DH and then hope for uh, 2025 he can return to the mound. Um, I think that there is some risk here, obviously, just health. He's doing so much, um, but I don't see how you don't take a risk here. I think every team should make a bid for Shohei, uh, in my opinion just because he would he makes every single team better um regardless and every team needs a Shohei and we can get we can get into this going into the top 5 free agents let's see if we disagree on number 1 does everyone here have Shohei Otani there's not really much dispute he's arguably the best player of the 
he's arguably a top what it like you can put him within like some of the greats already i mean what he's doing is like if he does this another four or five years he's he's a like i'd almost put him in cooperstown already he's he's unbelievable so yeah he's one yeah that's easy it's a one i mean you're gonna you're gonna have an all-time contract you know 45 50 55 million dollars a year that you know the 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 team that would traditionally sign you know say the dodgers or someone like that um you know yeah he's number one all day i've heard rumors swearing that the tigers are intrigued sure there's a lot of teams intrigued (laughs) yeah Yeah, i mean i read a car uh an article about why the cardinals should go after him it's not like they're but they're not going to no, I I totally made up the Tigers thing, but oh. it's sad. I haven't heard that one. I've only heard four <laughs> four to six teams. Yeah, yeah. I I feel like he goes. I have my top three teams for him are Dodgers, Giants, or Mariners. I think are one of those teams that he. I think he stays like towards the West because I don't see that team like the Yankees. I know the Cubs were on his list um, when he was coming over. Um, I could see the Rangers maybe maybe getting there, but they have a lot of money tied up already with. Simeon and Seeger. Well, yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see what happens. All right, Eli, you want to take us through the rest of your top five lists of MLB free agents? Yeah, so uh I was looking at my number four. I actually might move him to two. I'm kind of struggling. Um I have Blake Snell out there right now. Um but I think I'm gonna move this this Yoshi Yamamoto. I might move him to two. I was looking. He's obviously from the Nippon um, Japanese League. Um, sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. but um, And he was in the finals recently, had a nine-inning, 130-pitch, one-run performance to bring his team to game seven. And that was unreal. Um, he was posted a 1.92 ERA over 897 innings. I just think that's baffling. Um, and I, I put that guy at two just cause he's only 25. I think a team that's going to sign him is going to potentially get an, he has the potential to be an ace. Um, and I could see him going to the Mets, um, cause of Kodai Senga going there last year. I could see those ties. Um, but I, I'll put him at two and then I'll put Snell at three. I think this is a really good pitching class. You have Snell, Eduardo Rodriguez, um, Stroman, just to name a couple. Um, and I like Snell. He's still in his low 30s. I think a five-year contract um, would be good for Snell. Um, obviously, don't you can't give him more than that. He's been inconsistent. So you, um, and he has a big, big command issue, obviously his whiff rate. But um, if his velocity goes down, that could become a big issue, obviously. So I like Blake Snell at three. Four, I have Cody Bellinger, but I had this one with extreme caution. He just batted 300 with about 29 RBIs and around 30 stolen bases. Um, but I was reading that his hit speed wasn't great and that um, there's definitely regression regressions possible based off of um, statistics and um, just his bat power this year. So I need with caution. I think the Cubs will try and get him back. I think the Cubs will be pretty active this offseason. And then five, I went with the reliever route. Very pitch-heavy list. But I went Josh Hader. I think Josh Hader regained his uh, 
his elite closer form. He had he struggled last year um, when he got traded to the Padres, but he gained um, his stuff back. One point two eight ERA, thirty three saves, thirty six point eight strikeout rate. Um, he's arguably the best closer um, in the MLB, one of the top. Um, so I like him at five. I think he regained his status. Um, and I think if the Padres, um, if they should contend this year, and I think he'll be a big part of it if he keeps that form. But very pitch-heavy list for me. I think it's a great pitching class. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree uh, with most of that list. I'd go uh, Blake Snell, number two, as well. I mean, for, for all the reasons that we talked about. Um, number three, I actually had uh, Josh Hader. I mean, like you, like you said, 1.28 ERA, just dominant. He's been dominate, dominant for four to five years now. Just a, just a weapon for for anybody who will be highly sought after. Um, actually had Jordan Montgomery at number four, just coming from a World Series champion. Um, I think that's that's really big. I mean, obviously he had a, a great run at pitcher, and um, he has the, p- the potential to, you know, to do even better than he did this year. Um, uh, and at the uh, last spot, I'm actually going to put two guys because these kind of guys seem to be forgotten every year. Um, maybe they're not on a top five typical list, but every year you got these guys that hit 30 to 40 home runs and, you know, they kind of get signed last minute and I think they have a pretty big impact on the teams. I'm going to put Jorge Soler and JD Martinez kind of, uh, kind of going off of what Jonathan talked about with the defensive players um, last week, kind of doing the same thing with, with baseball. I know pitching's king, but I think at the end of the day, you sign these one year, 15 to 18, whatever, 12 to $16 million contracts. And, um, it's a big piece in the middle of your lineup, DH or outfield or first base, wherever you put that guy. So that'd be my list. Yeah, I don't hate putting a DH spot um, fifth, just because it's you definitely notice the teams that don't have a DH um, more so than the teams that do. It's definitely a position that you kind of want secure. Um, uh, for my list, I have. Uh, Yoshinobu Yamamoto as my second free agent as well. So same with Eli. Um, top top places for him: Cardinals, Cubs, Giants. I know um, Cubs need pitching. Giants have been connected to several different Japanese players, um, and obviously them being on the West Coast uh, that helps. Um, and be in San Francisco, just being a very uh, multi ethnic uh, city, I think helps is attractive. And then for the Cardinals. Um, having Lars Newbar play on Team Japan last year, I I think could really prove to be invaluable, like just invaluable. Like we can't even measure it. Um, he's super loved by uh, his teammates over there. He blew up in following in Japan after doing that. And uh, earlier this off season, uh, the Cardinals sent uh Newbar and Arenado to go uh recruit Yamamoto or at least to go watch his game. So I. I wouldn't rule them out. They definitely need pitching, and he's a guy, probably the only guy in this free agent market that you feel comfortable giving, maybe not comfortable, comfortable, but giving a six-plus year contract to hopefully be your ace. And he has the stuff and the makeup to arguably become the best pitcher to ever come out of uh, Japan, not named Shohei Otani. Um, so, yeah, he could definitely be their ace for years to come. I know John Mazalak has already talked about 
uh, getting three starters. So he, uh, watch him for the Cardinals. I hope that they go for him. Obviously, they can get outbid by teams like the Dodgers, Yankees, Cubs, who knows. Um, number three, Blake Snell. Um, again, winning coming off a of Cy Young year, I know that there's a lot of risk here with just inconsistency, but just the season that he had last year, you're going to just hope that he has uh, things together and that he's got it all together. He's going to help you guys, at least for the next uh, three-plus years. Uh, coming over I know that he's missed some starts in the in years past and this year he seemed pretty healthy so just hoping that he's got it all together but again you can't ignore having almost 12 strikeouts per nine innings as a starter uh, and limiting the hits I know the walks are concerned but as long as he's getting guys to whiff you feel pretty comfortable again top fits for him Giants need pitching I can see the Phillies going for him especially with with Nola being a free agent if they don't decide to pursue a reunion there if Nola's gone Blake Snell is a great replacement for a team that has strong World Series aspirations. And then again, the Cardinals, the the reports of him asking around of what it's like to play in St. Louis. I uh, could definitely see them going for him. I don't know if they go for both Yamamoto and Snell, um, but we'll see. And then number four, I have Sonny Gray. Uh, super underrated. He's been very consistent for the most part throughout his big league career besides a couple seasons here and there. Uh, top fits for him. Uh, Reds, Braves, and Cardinals. Uh, this is a guy that's in his 30s that has said that he wants to pitch close to home and the three closest uh, teams to him, to his home in Nashville, are the Braves, the Reds, and the Cardinals. Um, Cardinals, Braves, Reds could all use some more pitching, and he should come as a cheaper option than uh, Snell or Yamamoto or even Aaron Nola, who isn't in my top five because number five, I have Cody Bellinger. Um, as Eli pointed out, his underlying statistics don't look good. And I think that's a big cause for concern here that this could just be a fluke season. Um, but maybe his lack of power and stuff like that is just something of how he's adjusted his swing. And he's just going to be more of a contact guy that doesn't hit for uh, much power and his uh, contact doesn't have much power. But you can't ignore the numbers that he had. He had a very good season with the the Cubs and I have them as being one of the top fits and pursuing a reunion with him outside of that Mariners and Giants. Again, Mariners need something to get them over the hump. They just keep getting so close to the playoffs and they really need something that can get them over the hump. So Cody Bellinger can help them do that. And the Giants after an abysmal season, uh, needs some help as well. And he'd fit really nicely in their outfield or at first place. He plays good defense, which is always a plus, but that is my top five, uh, MLB free agents. Pretty similar list there. I mean, other than like the last couple, we had some pretty similar names though. I mean, I'm intrigued to see what like some of those middle teams, like obviously you said mentioned the Mariners, the Reds. Um, I think it'll be intriguing to see what those teams do because I feel like the big market signings, they always get like some of those big guys, but like we see like the Yankees and the Mets sign these big guys, but it's it's those signings like uh, Steve mentioned like Jorge Soler. I think a Matt Chapman signing could really impact the team. Um, he he doesn't his offense is very streaky, but he's I, th- I believe he's up for another Gold Glove. Uh, Matt Chapman, and then like Eduardo Rodriguez just opted out of the Tigers. Obviously, I wish that was Javier Baez, but we won't talk about that. Um, Eduardo Rodriguez, another sneaky. I think. Obviously, if he opted out of the Tigers contract, clearly there's a big offer potentially on the table. 
And it sounds like he's going to screw the Tigers as well. He said there's no um, there's no destination he'll rule out. But, of course, he had this no-trade clause with the Tigers, and they couldn't get anything for him. So that was, that was a pretty upsetting uh, development that I saw. I believe that was just today I saw that. So that was that was thrilling to see out of the Tigers organization. Yeah, definitely. I think – and then to believe – Steve had Jordan Montgomery on his list. Like Jordan Montgomery proved to be a big game pitcher. I think he's going to be in for a big payday. So it should be interesting. This is a pretty pitch heavy, pitching heavy free agent class um, in terms of uh, just talent in there. And again, obviously Shohei is going to be the big, the big fish. And we probably will be talking about him probably for the next two months because I don't see him signing anytime soon. I think Mike Trout could be another domino piece after that. If he leaves the Angels, I mean, Mike Trout seemed pretty loyal to the Angels, but I mean, as a player of Mike Trout's caliber, he's arguably the best hitter of the past decade. At least one of them. He's considered one of the better hitters um, of recent memory. He He's the consistent 300-plus hitter, hits with power, hits with um, contact. I mean, if if Shohei leaves, he has no reason to stay at this point. I mean, I guess he stayed regardless when Shohei wasn't there. But the Angels have the Angels are a poverty franchise to say the least. I mean, yeah, but the Angels are going to have to would have to trade him, and the question becomes, what can they get for Mike Trout? I know Mike Trout's Mike Trout, but let's be honest, Mike Trout's in his thirties and has injury history. Like how? Like is I'm sure there will be a team that puts up a lot if he's on the market, but I believe he's got a no trade clause, so he doesn't have to take anything if he wants to stay in Los Angeles, which for some reason it seems like he does. I don't know. But Mike Trout would be I, interesting. Yeah, he the could Angels, be I, yeah. I, yeah, I feel like he'd stay there as well. Yeah. I mean I know you know I know you mentioned like Marcus Stroman and Aaron Nola. I mean there's like you said, there's just pitcher after pitcher on the list. So yeah, there's gonna be uh there's going to be a, probably a couple of waves, kind of like in the NFL. There'll be a couple of waves of signings, and probably once you get that chance to get that big contract, you better uh, better sign it because the price only goes down if you don't sign early on. So, yeah, should be interesting. We'll obviously keep talking about it as moves keep getting made. So we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, it's NFL time. We got some concerns for some teams and some players. What are they? What are our picks for this week? Stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back, guys, to Speak Now. We are now getting into the NFL. Um, But I did, I was curious real quick before we uh, dive into that. Uh, Eli, you're, you're a Bryce Harper fan. Uh, what do you think about the Phillies moving him to first base full time? Uh, I mean, it kind of shows they're off on uh, Rice Hoskins. He'll be hitting the hay. Um, so I took it. I mean, he seemed he was always a solid outfielder, but I mean, I guess um, they must be prioritizing making sure he's as healthy as possible hitting wise. They must value his hitting more. And it seemed like he, he was pretty. He had a pretty. He might not have the arm strength after his surgery too. Um, and he did well at first base. It's kind of going to be kind of weird. He's not really a traditional first baseman. From 
He's yeah. quite the fast first baseman. But I mean, I found that to be interesting. But it shows they're moving on from Bryce Hoskins, who had the the um infamous uh uh bat slam against the Braves just a year ago. Yeah, I saw a comment where they were like uh, rip to Bryce Harper's future war just because obviously his war is going to go down not playing in the outfield, which is true. But anyway, transitioning to the NFL, um, this segment we wanted to go over some concerns that we might have for maybe it's a team, maybe it's a player. Uh, we are uh, halfway, more than halfway through the NFL season, and a lot of things are pretty telling at this point in the year. It's not too early where you're like oh, all right well they can still get it together it's too early to tell but it's, we're at that point where it's like all right the season's kind of playing itself out and teams really need to uh start getting things together they have a little bit of time but not too much time you really want to see some teams maybe start clicking some players start clicking um we'll start with steve i know steve has been a little bit ready for this segment steve what are your concerns is it a team is it a player multiple uh, what do you what do you got for us here? I uh, kind of got a multiple multiple thing there. Um, I got some concerns with a few quarterbacks. I'm just going to name a few of them and maybe fire off a few points on those. Um, so I got and uh, in, in I'm going to talk about teams that are that are relevant. I don't want to go too much into talking about like Tommy DeVito or anything like that with with the Giants. But uh, so um, I got four four quarterbacks I'm concerned with all on playoff teams. Um, Geno Smith would be the first one I'd be concerned with. Um, I felt like his trajectory was down last year. Um, he They provided him another weapon in Jackson Smith and Jigba, and um, it seems like teams are keen on kind of taking away that running game and trying to have Geno beat them. I think their their record's kind of fortunate where they're at, to be perfectly honest, and I just see last or this year kind of going like it did last year. You know, maybe they'll sneak in, but they're just not going to do anything in the playoffs. You know, maybe the refs will help them like they did against the Rams last year to <laughs> to keep the Lions out of it. But uh, so, yeah, that'd be first. And my second one would be Brock Purdy. Um, you know, with uh, I think he's getting uh, there's a little bit of adversity. And, you know, when the chips are down, you see how guys perform and, um, you know, they've been. Losing some games of late, the defense isn't as dominant as it was, um, you know, during during their run, you know, minus having to play, you know, three or four quarterbacks, you know, they could have easily won the Super Bowl last year, and uh, he would have been a big part of that, no doubt, um, but he's kind of throwing picks down the middle of the field at the end of the game, you know, you got Debo out, things like that, I just have concerns as you play those big games down the stretch and, you know, that's in the back of your mind. Um, another guy probably kind of obvious, um, would be Deshaun Watson. Um, just, uh, is he locked in? He's got the guaranteed contract. Um, his play did seem pretty decent when he came back last week and you, he does have, um, you know, that really dominant defense to fall back on. But when you're a division like that, I mean, you know, you have four super competitive teams. I mean, they got to get everything they can out of Deshaun. Uh, my last one's going to be Justin Herbert um, for the Chargers. Um, I just keep hearing about how great he is every year. And, um, you know, I'm the I'm probably the first one to raise my hand and say Brandon Staley's horrible. But the more I watch these games of Justin Herbert, he's just like a robot back there. Um, 
and it's just you know my fingers hurt my backs hurt um i lost mike williams i lost josh palmer and i just i see him kind of make these boneheaded plays in the pocket at times and um granted that their defense is really stepping up with both son Mac, and um i know that's kind of a little bit of brandon staley's calling card um i know them getting rid of jc jackson i think kind of helped out the whole defense there as well but uh just some concerns there as far as the quarterbacks and i think those that's going to limit all those teams and they're going to end up going down um you know early in the playoffs maybe they'll win a game and that sort of thing um my other concern just kind of throwing this out there is uh Buffalo Bills and their identity, um, they can't seem to put it together, whether it's the running game, they signed Leonard Fournette, or just the the defense. Um, I do like that they picked up Linval Joseph and Rasul Douglas to try to um, take care of their issues. Um, but uh, just they can't seem to put it together ever since that um, drive at the end of the game by the Chiefs, um, you know, in the, in the playoffs. Um, you know, a couple of years back, they haven't just haven't been able to to really put it together, and their trajectory seems to be slowly slowly going downward as other teams are starting to pass them by. And uh, my last one would be the Dallas Cowboys running game. Um, Tony Pollard was just supposed to be so great this year, and probably the Cowboys in general. And he seems to be having more and more trouble, you know, as that wear and tear goes on, which happens to the best of them. But, uh, you know, I know we all kind of maybe would crack on Zeke a little bit as the years went on, but um, you really have to appreciate what he did for, for the run there and him getting the contract he did. And, you know, you got guys like Derek Henry that do it year after year. And, um, you know, you see how hard it is for Tony Pollard to keep that up and, he just can't do anything in the red zone and the Cowboys are like, screw it. We got to lean on Dak and CeeDee Lamb in our defense. So they pretty much are, I wouldn't say they're giving up on Pollard, but he's not their centerpiece anymore. So yeah, that's kind of, kind of mine. I might, I might have some more as you guys uh, throw yours out there or some rebuttals. But, it down. Uh, yeah, go ahead. You guys can go. You, you can go Eli. Um, yeah, I actually don't have any quarterbacks, so I think we're going to have pretty different. We don't have any similar or we don't have any of the same and we have similar. My first one, I'll just get my team out of the way. Um, I haven't been, I haven't, um, been a fan of them since the start of the year. Uh, the media loves them. The Miami Dolphins still out on them. Um, uh, I have major concerns. Uh, their defense played a little better against the Chiefs, but I will say just a side concern. Patrick Mahomes hasn't looked right. Um, the past two weeks, um, obviously the week against the Broncos, he had the flu. Um, last week he didn't have the flu and he didn't look all that great in the second half. So I have a concern, slight concern for Mahomes, but it's Mahomes. Um, but the Dolphins, um, they get a chain back here soon. That should help the running game, which has, other than the last drive, which all of a sudden most started getting chunk yardage. Tua just hasn't impressed me against good teams and good defenses. Um, obviously Tyreek Hill had that fumble that got returned. Um, but the Dolphins haven't had a statement win yet. So I'm a bit concerned for them. Um, especially in their division with the Bills and, um, oh my gosh, the Bills and the Jets, two good defenses. Um, those are not easy games. 
Um, so I, I gotta, I, I'm not sold on them until they have a statement win. Um, next is a, one a little out there. I don't know if either guys have uh, heard about this. this guy's disappeared, but uh, Shaquille Leonard, um, three time All Pro linebacker. I was just reading on him recently. He only played 35%. He's healthy and he's only, he only played 35% of the snaps last week. And he was complaining about his role. And the coach basically said, like, you're going to be a rotation piece now. And I like last year, before last year, this guy was like, he's regarded as one of the best line, one of the best off ball linebackers in the NFL, three time all pro and, and one rookie of the year. Um, he did have 10 tackles in those limited snaps. So maybe. Um, he had some back issues and had surgeries, but uh, for Shaq Leonard, his all pro self might be gone and he's relatively young. So I think his, uh, his prime may be past him and like the likes of Zaire Franklin basically overtook him already, which um, was a pretty shocking development to me. I thought he'd get back to being like a top five linebacker as he was previously. And my last one, I just have a coach and all time great Bill Belichick. Um, I think Bill's done. I think if they lose this week, I think he's there. There's a definitely a possibility he gets fired. I heard rumors on that. Um, and I don't like the people disrespecting what Bill has done the past bit. People say like it was all because of Brady. I will never say that. Um, um, I think that's disrespectful to Bill Belichick. I think he's one of the all time greats. Um, uh, but I think it's time to hang the cleats. Um, the Patriots haven't drafted well recently with him and, uh, they just continue to miss and they haven't built. Um, they had their, they made it to the playoffs with Mac Jones. And ever since they haven't had a great draft, um, and just have struggled. Um, they have some pieces, but their offense lacks much firepower. Um, so I think, I think the Patriots should look a different way. Um, look for a new coach and uh, start a rebuild. I heard uh, they could try and pry Mike Frabel over to the Patriots, um, which I doubt that will, I doubt Tennessee would allow that unless they get a first round pick similar to Sean Payton's thing. Um, but yeah, those are my three. Um, I think Bill Belichick, uh, I know he's going for the all time wins, but I think he should hang it up. Interesting. So I, when making this list, I only had one team, one player ish, but listening to you guys talk, I've added a few more. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll quickly just push back a little bit on what Eli said about Bill Belichick, because <laughs> I'll, I'll make, I'll make the point of what is, what has Bill accomplished outside of Brady? You know, it's like, even like Josh McDaniels, what has Josh McDaniels done outside of Brady? Like those coaches and stuff like that. I, I mean, not to say that Bill's not a not a great coach because he is, but it's, I mean, I think some of those questions are warranted because, like, Bill has not really had success outside of Brady. Um, I get that, like, his the end of his era. If you want to go all the way back to his time with the Browns uh, before they left and went to Baltimore, I know like they were starting to piece some things together there, and like there's that kind of stuff, but. I don't know. I Bill, Bill's Bill's a question mark for me, at least right now. And maybe it's just yeah, his style is aged out, uh, and he can't adapt with uh, the current NFL. I mean, you saw that towards the end of Chuck Knoll's career with the Steelers. Uh, he just couldn't he couldn't adjust to the, how the NFL was, and he wasn't that great at the end of it. Still a Hall of Fame coach, no doubt. Um, another concern that I added 
uh, in uh, just hearing you guys talk um, and not necessarily for this year, but going forward, I'm a little concerned about the chiefs and the, and Patrick Mahomes going forward. Um, not deeply. Uh, Cause I feel like it's hard to bet against Mahomes, but Travis Kelsey is 34 years old. Like he he's getting up there in age. He's dating Taylor Swift, you know, like, he's very likable guy like um very very attractive very like good charisma like this is a guy that i know he does a podcast with his brother this is a guy that could easily catapult his career into some acting into something with like media and like that kind of stuff like how soon does he want to do that you know i think it's a question mark i i'm sure i'm not questioning his devotion to football or his wanting to win like so don't hear that like i'm not questioning that but like i think it's understandable to be thinking about life after football and if he like depending on how serious him and taylor are like she's got a busy touring schedule he's gone like is you know is it like one of those things i know eli's hating me talking but it's it's real stuff man like he's dating taylor swift like the it's not that serious man taylor would ruin taylor has no intentions of marrying this man that would completely kill her image of a breakup music I'm not buying into this whole love story. Don't be so sure, man. Yeah, I mean, she's she's in her... Like, the thing is, is, like, we, we you can label it breakup music and stuff like that, but it's like, I mean, Taylor, as an artist, has been an artist since her teens into her through her 20s. Like, come on, like, most... Like, most... A lot of people don't get married and don't settle down in, like, those years, especially if you're an entertainer. Like, she's in her, like, early 30s and stuff like that. So if... Not saying that she wants to have a family, wants to have kids, like, all that kind of stuff, but that is stuff that, like is starting to kind of come that way. She is capping off like the biggest tour of the century. Um, who knows? Maybe that's something that she wants. Maybe that's something that tra- her and Travis want together. I don't know. Like this, this is just all speculation. And this is just a, again, this is a concern where it's like going forward. Uh, we've seen Mahomes without Tyreek. And like, luckily he has Travis Kelsey, but like Mahomes without Travis Kelsey too. Like, what does that team look like? Uh, what is that team's identity? And I think that that's just a, Again, a concern for the future, not necessarily saying it's serious. I think it's something that's worth talking about. Going into my actual concerns that I had, uh, I agree with Steve on the Buffalo Bills. Um, I I know that's a team I've actually been pretty high on in recent weeks. And then I did some research in preparation for this segment, and I uh, have completely switched gears on them. They are one in three on the road. Uh, That just won't get it done because they're not going to have a home playoff game more than likely. Like They're going to be a road team and – if they're one and three, they're not winning on the road. That's concerning to me. Also, over the last five games, they've been outscored by their opponents by four points. And I know that's not a lot, but I mean, this is the Buffalo Bills with Josh Allen. And when three of those teams have been the Patriots, Giants, and Bucks, like it should be a much higher margin. So I think that's concern. Um, and they're two and three, I believe, over their last five games, too. They're five and four right now, second in their division, but they're already. 0-1 against the Jets. They played the Jets, I believe, in like a couple weeks. So if they lose that game to the Jets, like there's a really real scenario here where the Bills don't make the playoffs. Um, they they don't have the tight like they already lost to the Bengals, which the Bengals have a very similar record. So it's I to me that's a concerning. Like what what direction did the Bills go if they make the playoffs here? I'm not saying that Sean McDermott's gonna get fired. I'm not gonna jump on that train yet. Um uh, but I think that it's a real conversation. I think we kind of just assume a lot of people just kind of assume that with Josh Allen, with Stefan Diggs, that this is a team that's just going to make the playoffs. They might not if they lose. And again, I'm not saying that the Jets are that great of a team or anything, 
But I think one of the common narratives that I've been pointing out um, on this show throughout the season is the Jets have stayed competitive in games where they shouldn't, and it's weird. Like, they, again, beat the Bills after losing Rodgers. They beat the Eagles. They stayed competitive against the Chiefs. Like, this is a team that could somehow squeak into the playoffs or at least, like, eliminate the Bills from making the playoffs. So they're, they're a big concern for me because um, this is a team that we look at as probably one of the perennial AFC teams that should be right up there with the Chiefs, the Bengals, and the Ravens, and who have you, but they're not, and they might not make the playoffs. I'm concerned. Um, I'm skeptical about them going forward. They really need to uh, show show me at least that they can win, win on the road, and they can, yeah, win these games that they should be winning by maybe a wider margin or just actually win them. Like, again, losing to, like, the Patriots is, like, the Bucks. It's like these are teams. I get that some of this is like division play and all that stuff, but this is stuff that they should win. Um, and then going to the player side of it, uh, this kind of counts for two, but I'm going to focus on one. Uh, Kirk Cousins, Aaron Rodgers, um, but I'm going to mainly focus on Kirk Cousins here. He's going to be 36 years old coming off his Achilles. Um, like that could really affect his mobility. Not that he's been like necessarily like the most mobile quarterback to begin with, but again, that's concerning. Uh, I know the reports and rumors of like the Vikings still being interested in bringing him back. Um, I think some of that is to the fact that they've been winning. So now that they're not going to have that much of a, like a high draft pick and they're not going to have their top pick at quarterback, they might as well just keep someone that they know, but like it's the AFC North. They're playing six games out in the cold ish. Um, I get some of it's going to be early in the season, but still like, like that kind of injury is going to get exasperated in the cold. It can it's his back foot, so that could definitely affect his strength and um, his throwing. I, to me, it's like I'm I would be very concerned uh, about Kirk Cousins being my starting quarterback going into the future. Uh, he's a free agent, so I, I I feel like if I'm a team, I'm not confident this guy can come in and step in and be a franchise quarterback after this injury. I get that with modern medicine and stuff like that, this injury is a lot easier to come back from, but still, I think it's it's a significant injury. Uh, even st- same thing with Rodgers. Um, Rodgers was just it's just starts out as a better player, so like the chances of him still being competent is much higher. Where it's like Kirk Cousins, uh, I'd put him in the better half of quarterbacks in this league. But again, wrong side of starting to get up there in age and in an injury like this, um, especially of a team like the Vikings that doesn't that has like a if the team like the Vikings doesn't go for him, where they have like Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison, if it's a team with Less, less less great supporting cast. I don't know if Cousins looks good next year. And I'm, I love Cousins. I'm a Cousins fan. So that'd be uh, disappointing to see. Um, but yeah, I, for me as a, as a fan, that would be, he's a concern going forward. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, those are all, those are all valid concerns as well. Like, I mean, I'm not going to talk about the Swift stuff. I'm not going to give her any more of a platform than uh, I have to. I mean, I guess truly I can't, I'll never be that guy to like claim that I know their love. Um, I'm just going based <laughs> off. I'm just going based off of uh, her past status is how she's had a, a whole basketball roster of A-list boyfriends that she's ended up ditching. So, I mean, Yeah. Travis in the age, I, I do agree with the movie star thing. I 100% agree that's going to be his path. I mean, his brother just got 
foot in one of the sexiest men alive or whatever that was. Um, so I mean those Kelsey's I don't I don't know exactly what that is, but like him and Mookie Betts and all of them got in that. Like they're on the they're on a path to start them after, but uh I think unless there's any other final thoughts, we get into our uh, our weekly picks. Jonathan, you got any thoughts on uh, the uh, wide receiver weekly thing on the Steelers? You know, one week you got Deontay complaining about the Russ. Next week you got, you know, Pickens wanting to be more involved. And I guess my standpoint on that would be um, just I think think Tomlin can keep that all together. But it it just seems like with the Steelers, it just there seems to be a guy on offense like every other year that – that kind of thing seems to be going on. And especially with what they have going with uh, getting Broderick Jones in the lineups, that running game stepping up, Kenny Pickett's, you know, big game drives at the end. And I just hate to see, you know, distractions, you know, take them down at all. So I just, I don't know if that's a concern of yours at all, being a a Steelers fan. Uh, Not really. Um, I talked about this with Eli uh, earlier this week. Um, Something that like, for me is like George Pickens is 22 years old. Like I get that the NFL is a grown man's league and you're like, you gotta be a professional and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, like he's still basically like a child, like, like his brain's not fully developed. It's it's one of those growing pains. Like he's a wide receiver, which like most wide receivers are going to be divas to certain points anyway. Uh, I think that's just something that most teams have to live with. Um, but yeah, he's super talented dude. Uh, and even like, I think what's nice about being, about a week removed now from the whole like him sulking on the sidelines against the Titans is like hearing how the team has responded to it too. Like Mike Tomlin coming out, supporting him being like, this guy wants to be a reason we're successful. And like, I can't like fault him for that. Like I, I want guys that want us that want to be one of the reasons that we're successful. Like the teammates not really acting like it's a big deal. Like um, I know Dan Moore jr. Was interviewed on it. He didn't even know what was going on. So yeah, I, I think it's one of those things where I think the media, at least right now, I feel like the media is kind of blowing it up. Um, at the end of the day, like if this is an issue, it's going to come to light and the Steelers will trade him and we'll be fine. Like, honestly, like none of the receivers that the Steelers have lost because of because of like attitude or whatever, whatever, however you want to phrase it, locker room troubles. Like at the end of the day, like it hasn't set them back like Think about like Antonio Brown, Chase Claypool, uh, Martavius Bryant, like all those guys like were far less productive leaving the Steelers than when they were with the Steelers. So I don't know. We, I mean, as long, as long as we're winning and we're being successful, like it cures all things, right? Like no one really, I, I know some people were a little concerned when AB chucked a Gatorade uh, container at a, at a coach or whatever on the sideline, but it's like, it just kind of rolled with it. So I don't view it as like that much of a distraction right now. I think it's, he's a younger guy too. So he doesn't like command as much of like the locker room as like an Antonio Brown did towards the end of it. So I don't see it as being that much of an issue when you have leaders like Watt and Hayward and Minka and Najee and Kenny, like in that locker room, and even Deontay, I know Deontay had his little rant, but Deontay for the most part has been regarded as like a, real stand like a pretty stand-up guy in the nfl so i think they have enough pieces where it's like if this is a big issue 
they can keep it from blowing up. Um, I just think it's just George developing, and I think it's just growing pains of a young receiver. So that's kind of how I view it. Um, and like I said, it helps that they're five and three because if they were the inverse, I'm like, all right, this is a little concerning. But I mean, I think compared to him, comparing him to Claypool or like Martavius Bryant, like his talent level is just to me is a nut next level. So you kind of you kind of got to live with it because this guy could end up being top 10, top five receiver with just his traits, as long as he has a consistent guy getting them the ball and he continues to develop. Yeah. I mean, I think the only comment is because they're winning. I feel like he should be a little more like, uh, I don't know, more like with the team, like, you know, it's a good team though. Like I didn't contribute as much as I wanted to, but I mean, even though, like, I think the team leader should at least acknowledge, like, the fact that, like, no, no matter if you're 22, you're an adult. That's not that's not exactly acceptable behavior. Like, Deontay got his first touchdown in how long, and you're not going to c- congratulate your teammate because you messed up on a on a toe drag earlier in the game. Like, that's like obviously still he's still a young player. So, like, like there's been plenty of instances where like. Like, you could say Randy Moss had his issues and Cheryl Owens had his issues and all that. But, like, I think I, I think you still have to, like, as a player, well, you're, it's not – I don't I don't disagree. It's not a big issue. But, like, you also have to be, like, George, like, for a winning culture. Like, like for example, like, say, like, Marvin Jones on the Lions, like, sucked. But he wasn't, like, sulk. Obviously, he's more in the tail end of his career. But, like – I guess like embracing the winning culture rather than sulking because of individual stats. Yeah. I mean, I think a couple things to that is this is a guy on his rookie contract. So like he's halfway through his rookie after this year, he'll be halfway through his rookie contract. Like this is a guy that wants to get paid, but he still hasn't got paid yet. So you definitely want to perform and stuff like that and do that. Um, another thing too, is like, it's not like they've been winning by a much. So I think it's like it's different. Like if, if the Steelers are like winning by several touchdowns or something like that, and George isn't really doing much, he but he's doing like these other things. It's like, yeah, it's like, dude, your team is like good. They don't need you to be that guy. They're barely winning some of these games. And it's and when you have George Pickens getting two catches for negative one yards in a game that is like really close, like that's kind of like I don't know. You gotta get him more to me, it's like that's a that's an offensive corner thing. Uh, where Canada's just got to scheme him open. Like, I know, like, they like to use him a lot as, like, a distraction and, like, to free up Deontay. But at the same time, it's like, you have such a talented guy. Like, at some point, it's like, it's kind of one-dimensional. Like, you got to somehow create ways for him to be open and for Kenny to not just have to do the back shoulder passes and live on those because they're not a high percentage pass in the NFL. Um, So I think, like, I think there's that... uh, that level to it where it's yeah they're winning but like they're not winning by much so like definitely whatever they can do to and like he I know he's talked about um like I know he, he the cornerbacks and stuff like that and defensive teams have started getting in his head more like as a young guy like he's got to learn to work through that so I think it's it's part of his pride and ego where like the Jags talked a bunch of crap towards him and he wasn't able to back it up and now it's second week in a row and now it's got to be frustrating like you want to silence all the haters like i know a lot of 
some NFL players are good at silencing critics and haters. I don't think George is at that stage. Uh, I think George definitely hears all the noise and I think it's getting to him. Not to say that it should, it shouldn't, but I mean, he's again, 22 years old, like at some points it's going to get to him to a certain degree. Yeah, I do think he's, he's been a pretty loud player. I don't, he's generally not very soft spoken. He's, I I don't want to, I guess, I mean, he's kind of trying to find a comparison, I guess. I mean, he's always been a pretty a vocal player. I guess that's pretty um, what I'd say, especially like even on draft night, he was pretty vocal. But uh, I think after another small break, we'll get to our uh, NFL weekly picks. Um, and it'll be interesting. We had We had a good record, and then we had one guy with a good record, and uh, – this week we'll see if uh, we we'll see if he can keep his hot streak going. So we'll be right back with you guys. All right, y'all, welcome back to my favorite segment, hopefully yours. We have the weekly picks, and I tell you what, um, last week another we don't have. Um, we'll get to the overalls next week, but I will say based off of uh, what Steve said, another dominant week from his side. Um, I think, uh, the, the analysts on uh, NFL network have a run for their money with Steve Malone these days. (laughs) Um, with about, I believe it's 12 wins the last two weeks, 24 and six, that would be, which is uh, a remarkable number one would say, but, uh, Unless you have any comments, champ, we should probably get right into the games. No, let's go for it. We'll keep it rolling because uh, oh. yeah, <laughs> I could drop at a moment's notice. That's true. I mean, right into it, the game that is starting uh, right at this moment, I believe, the Panthers, the Bears. Um, Al Michaels might be sleeping at halftime in this game, but uh, I don't know what the Thursday night people are doing with these games, but uh, this was a weird one for me. Um, I ended up picking the Panthers. Um, I don't, I don't love the pick, but I really wouldn't love picking a team led by Tyson Badgen either. Um, both quarterbacks in this game are, have been quite turnover. They had really bad turnovers last week. Um, but I think Bryce Young against the Bears, Bears defense. Um, I don't know. I think Bryce Young could have a good game. So I picked the Panthers and I think it'll be like, 24 to 17, nothing, nothing crazy. It'll be an under game. Yeah. Um, when I looked at the, when I was picking these games, I assumed Justin Fields was playing, but uh, I'm going to stick with my pick of the bears. Um, I think you got the factor of Dante Foreman and DJ Moore playing against their former team. Um, I think there's something to that. Um, you also have uh, CJ Henderson, Brian Burns out for the Panthers. Um, just uh yeah, I think things stack up. It's in Chicago. Um, so I, th- I think it's actually, there's actually going to be some scoring in this game, uh, which is when you're looking at Bryce Young and Tyson Badgett, you know, <laughs> doesn't seem right. But I'm going to go Bears 31 20. I'm going to keep my original score that I have for this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is, uh, I'm going to go Panthers here. Um, they, I mean, the Bears. Bears have their first round pick. Not that necessarily that's on all the Panthers' mind, and they don't want to give the Bears a higher pick. 
Um, I just think it's honestly, I'm just picking this because if the Panthers win, I think this makes the race for number one a lot more interesting. So I just kind of want that as a football fan. Uh, so I'm not going to do any like statistics or anything like that. I'm just going to go based on what I want to see happen and I want to see the Panthers win. So I'm going to pick them uh, 20 to 17. So I'll have it be a low, lower scoring than Steve. All right. And then the next game would be the Indianapolis Colts and the New England Patriots. Um, an interesting game. It is uh, in Germany, continuing the Germany series. Um, and this one's pretty easy for me. I like the Colts. Um, I like what Gardner Minshew is doing um, for that offense. I think he uh, he's done well. He's always been a valiant backup. Um, didn't have to do much last week, and I really like their run game. Their run game after struggling last year. Um, Jonathan Taylor had a down year last year. Um, I think Taylor and then they made Moss look great. Um, so I like them and uh, their defense. Kenny Moore two pick sixes. Um, I think they'll give Mac Jones trouble. I'd have the Colts winning this, uh, twenty-eight to seventeen. Um, I think Bill's got a lot to prove in this game. I think we talked about Belichick earlier. Um, you know, I might I might start this zero and two, um, but uh, I don't know. I got just I think Ramondre Stevenson's gonna have a big game. I, I think the the Colts. It was a little bit deceiving, like you mentioned. There was the pick sixes last week. They played a lot of close games that could have gone either way, and I don't think this game's gonna be any different. Um, there's a lot of talk. Um, I know the game started fast, kind of changed gears in Germany. There's a lot of talk on the field conditions and kind of being ready for that. So you're going to see some guys sliding around. I think that kind of favors the um, Patriots as well. But uh, saying all that, I, I, um, I just I, I can't pick the Patriots. So I'm going to go Colts 24-20. Yeah, I have the Colts as well. Um, so we're all, all in agreement here. I I think Gardner Minshew, I've been a fan of Gardner Minshew since he came in the league, which isn't hard to do because the dude's awesome. I think he deserves to be like a, a starting, like get a chance to be like a starting quarterback uh, in this league. Um, not as like a top tier type of guy, but like, I don't know if like Tyler, Taylor Heineke and like Sam Howell and like those guys can be starters, like give Gardner Minshew a, a year for a bridge to be a bridge quarterback. I know he kind of is that right now, but that's because of injury. Like, I, I want to see this guy be able to, I don't know, have success. I like I like Gardner Minshew. Um, yeah, I part of, I think the Colts have played a lot of close games here, uh, as you guys said. Um, they're just, again, better than the Patriots at this point in the year. The Patriots have a lot of guys that are just out. I know Juju's been a huge question mark in his production. Like, Mac Jones is a question mark. And again, uh, the race for number one just gets interesting with a keep with a Panthers win and a Patriots loss here. So let's let's keep it going. Uh, I have the Colts winning this one, uh, thirty-one to twenty-seven. I don't like that little Sam Howell ricochet shot that he received there. I'm a big fan of Sam Howell. But, uh, uh, I'm not. I'm not saying that Sam Howell's bad. I'm just saying necessarily. I'm just saying that like you know if Sam Howell's starting in this league, like I want to see Gardner Minshew like. I think Howell was a better quarterback, but it was it was it was just a similar. It's just a compliment to Gardner. It wasn't a shot at Sam Howell, just because he's on your fantasy team. You want to talk about your fantasy teams here? My fantasy team is selling, so (laughs) at this point, I mean, he can do well. 
win me a couple extra games. But I mean, I, on to the next. You know, we won't talk about. Uh, forgot about DeAndre. Um, speaking of DeAndre's former team, we have the Texans and the Bengals. Um, Texans coming off a big CJ Stroud week. Um, however, I could see. I'm going to see CJ Stroud coming back down to earth in this game. Uh, the Bengals defense, uh, Trey Hendrickson has been uh, particularly effective on that D line. Um, Joe Burrow is fully back. Um, he's been fantastic recently. Um, it would have had an even bigger game if he didn't miss Jamar Chase um, um, for a big touchdown. Uh, there, there's concerns for his top two wide receivers. Are they going to play? Are they not? Um, it looks like Chase is practicing today, so he should be okay. Um but I do like the Bengals here. I do think it'll be close, but uh, I don't see the Texans replicating what they did last week. Um, they had to do all that just to only win by a point. Um, so I'm going to take the Bengals here, and I'm going to take them 24-21. to 21. Well, we must be on the same page. I uh, completely agree. Uh, Bengals D is creating turnovers. Um T. Higgins is out this week, and then uh, I know Jamar Chase took a, a big shot in his back there. Um, I know he's um, had to do some heating pads, things like that. So I think the Bengals' offense won't be won't be as good this week. Uh, minus Higgins, I know he had over 100 yards last week, and um, they kind of had their way with with the Bills, despite what the score showed. But uh, I'm 24-21 as well, Bengals. I'm going to pick the upset here. I'm going to go Houston Texans. Um, yeah, with Joe Burrow missing some weapons, uh, I think I think CJ Stroud stays stays hot. I do think that he gets his second interception of the year. Um, I think that's just inevitable at this point. Um, I'm I'm going to go with him staying hot. I have the Texans winning a very close one. This is going to be uh, thirty to twenty and next, we have an interesting game, the Saints and the Vikings. Vikings coming off a big win with Joshua Dobbs in his first game, um, getting the getting to know the playbook better this past week. Um, but I, I'm a big fan of the Saints, personally. I think if they really get their offense clicking, I think Taysom Hill more integrated um, has really helped them, adds a new dimension. Um, he's been particularly effective as a rusher recently, and he can just the fact that he can line up under center, run it, pass it, um, hasn't been bad as a tight end as well. Um, I think that's really opened him up. And then Paulson Adebo last week um, on the defensive side, he's been a really good breakout corner for him this year. Um, and I think they might give Joshua Dobbs some trouble. Um, Dobbs has been solid, but um, he's 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 had his struggles, especially with the Cardinals. He has a better set of weapons um he doesn't have jefferson back this week um but i like the saints in another close one i'd give i'd give the saints the edge 28 to 27 um yeah hawkinson's banged up um with some issues there i know osborne um has an injury um i think we just need to slow down the uh josh dobbs hype train um kind of what's been big for the vikings too is their their defense is um bit really stepped up with the uh, four wins um, you know, the obviously the Vikings beating the 49ers was big, but you know, you beat the Bears, Packers, and Falcons. That's not exactly, you know, let's not get too excited. So I agree with uh the points that Eli made. I'm gonna go Saints 23-20. Yeah, I, I like Saints secondary here against Josh Jobs. I'm I'm with you guys on this one. 
Uh, I'm, I'm going to have this one be a 24-17 Saints. And then next, um, we have the Packers and the Steelers. Um, Steelers riding um, a pretty good win last week. I'd say uh, close, but a hard-fought victory. Um, um, and then the Packers with a win last week. Um, I actually do have the Packers this week. <laughs> we see a Steelers fan blurred out in the background, but uh, I'm I'm going to pick the Packers in this game. <laughs> I'm going to pick the Packers over the Steelers. Um, I think the Packers have a solid pass rush um, with Rashawn Gary. Um, I think the Packers finally got the run game going. They had Aaron Jones finally fully healthy. Um, he was limited to start practice this week, but uh, if uh, Love can just get some more connections going, um, this will be a this will be a weird game. But I'd have the Packers winning this twenty to seventeen. Oh yeah, I definitely uh, I couldn't see the Packers scoring twenty against the Steelers at all with with Jordan Love. Um, so. Yeah, no, just uh, pack uh, the Steelers' formula. Um, defense are going to force some turnovers on Love. He's highly inaccurate. Um, I know he's kind of making a little bit of a connection with uh, Musgrave, um, but just can't get Watson going. I know, uh, you know, like you said, Aaron Jones um, should help, but um, still the Steelers are good at taking those things away. I'm going to go Steelers 20 to 10. Uh, yeah, uh, if, yeah, if Jordan Love can't do anything, uh, in the past, and this is going to be a long day for uh, Green Bay, um, just because, as Steve pointed out, like the Steelers, if they only need to take away the run game, they can do that. Um, so I have them winning. I think this is going to actually be a big breakout game for them, especially after the tantrum from George Pickens. I think they feed him. Uh, and I have the Steelers having probably their most uh, successful offensive day uh, of the year, 27 to 10 Steelers. Then next, uh, we have the Titans and the Buccaneers. Uh, Will Levis named officially the starter um, for the Titans for the rest of the year, and then the Buccaneers coming off a heartbreaking loss. Um, I see the Buccaneers re- um, rebounding. Um, they they Their offense played fantastic. I thought Baker played a really good game, and Rashad White's had a really good two-week stretch. Um, he went off as well. Um, I thought Baker's looked fine this year. I think uh, the Bucks should look at giving him another year. Um, I really liked what he did. Their defense let him down last week, which had been their strong point. Um, I have the Buccaneers winning a low point affair, twenty-three to seventeen. Bucks have given up four hundred twenty-six yards a game the last four games on defense. Um, I see it happening again. Will Levis likes to sling it. You got Derrick Henry. I'm going to go uh, with the Will Levis victory, 27-24. Yeah, I'm with Steve on this one. I think Will Levis bounces back, had, had a little adversity uh, against Pittsburgh last week, and um, it was a short week for him. I think that just another week under center, I think this guy's legit. Um, something I, I think I talked to Eli about earlier this week is like a comparison that I had for Will Levis, at least who he reminded me of watching him play, not saying that he's on the same level or anything like that, was uh, Patrick Mahomes and just watching him against the Steelers and whenever like it looked like TJ or Alex Highsmith or someone was going to get to him, he did a really good job, I thought, of getting the ball out and not in a way where it's like a necessarily dangerous throw, but like getting the ball out pretty effectively and just dumping it out and doing like kind of those 
throws where you think the quarterback is out of the play and suddenly the play is still alive. That kind of just reminded me of like Patrick Mahomes light again, not saying he's on the same level, but uh, I think that he is their quarterback of the future. And I think that he goes in and makes a statement win uh, against the bucks here. And I have them winning this one uh, 24 to 17. And next we have the game of the one o'clock slate. We have the Niners and the Jacks Niners coming off their bye week. Um, I do like the Niners in this game. I would pick the Niners. I think they'll rebound. Um, they had a week to get all their um, injured players healthy, especially on the offensive side. They should get Debo back this week, I believe. Um, and that should be big for them, getting that aspect of their offense back. Um, the Jaguars defense has been really good recently. Um, but I think Purdy will have um, – Purdy's got to make a statement this week to kind of silence the haters. Um, and I'd have the 49ers winning this game, um, 27 to 24. Um, I agree. I think the 49ers are actually going to win this game handily. Um, I know both teams are off the bye week, but uh, I think the 49ers, there's a lot of people down on them. Um, I know in an earlier segment, I kind of was hard on Brock Purdy, uh, but I think this is kind of a bounce back for them. You know, maybe down the road, there'll be some stumbles, but. Um, I think they get McCaffrey going. Um, he'll be fully healthy after the bye week. Um, Debo, I am a little bit concerned that Trent Williams might still be out, uh, but I'm still going to go 49ers, 31-17. I'm going to go Jaguars here. Uh, it's at home for them. Uh, they are in the race for the number one seed in the AFC. Uh, they need to keep pace, and they need a big statement win, and I think that this is uh, a week to do that. So I have them winning – uh, this one, I have this one being a uh, 27-24, a very close one. And next, an AFC North battle. We have the Browns and the Ravens. And uh, I picked my first big upset this week. I actually picked the Browns over the Ravens. Um, I like what the Browns have done um, on the ground, especially with T.J. Walker. They ran pretty well. Um, and Deshaun Watson looked pretty good in his first week back. Um, the Ravens, obviously... Um, one of, if not the best defense this year, um, statistically only giving up like seven touchdowns. So I actually did pick the Browns. I think Deshaun Watson will have a statement win this week. Um, I think Lamar um, might struggle against, uh, he always seems to struggle against those AFC North defenses. So I think Miles, Miles Garrett will give him, give him a run for his money. So I have the Browns winning this game 21 um, to 18. Yeah, this is just one of those classic AFC North games. Um, I don't see either offense doing a whole lot in this game. Uh, it'll be probably sometime probably in the fourth quarter that either team hits double digits. Um, I do think Baltimore kind of has it more put together. Um, I, you know, you do see some up and down stuff from the Browns. Um, so I got to go Ravens 13-10. I think they got it a little bit more together than the Browns do at this point. Uh, I have Baltimore as well, but I have them winning this one pretty handily. Uh, I'm going to do uh, 31 to 17. They dominated uh, the first matchup between these two teams, and it was on the road for Baltimore. So this one being at home, Baltimore is a pretty good team at home. Uh, see why they should have no issues doing the same here. So, yeah, I have Baltimore winning this one uh, 31 to 17. Then the next game, the first of the four o'clock state, we have the Falcons and the Cardinals. For some reason, the four o'clock slate always gives us mostly clunker of games. Um, this is one of them. Um, 
I with Kyler Murray and James Conner back, I picked another upset. I actually don't mind the Cardinals here. I think Kyler Murray back, um, if they don't limit him at all, which I hope they don't, I think not limiting him. Um, I think the Cardinals offense um should flow all right, especially James Conner back, getting the running running game back going. Um and the Falcons, Arthur Smith, um he could I don't I'm not sold on him. He might be losing the locker room with how he's operating. Um, and he's not using his best players um, to the best of their ability. Their defense has played well with Jesse Bates. Um, but I'd have the Cardinals actually winning this 24 to 20. Yeah, when they asked Arthur Smith about uh, B. John Robinson's um, usage and his game plan, it took him five minutes to explain, you know, <laughs> how he was using him. So, if that doesn't tell you about Arthur Smith, I don't know what does um, on top of the, you know, debacle of not playing him the one week. Um, I think it's going to be tough for Kyler to come back first game and, um, you know, really put the numbers together. Connor's first game back. Um, saying all that, I, I agree. Atlanta's a little bit of a mess too. Um, uh, Taylor Heineke, I'm not sure. Uh, I wouldn't put him on the same um planet is uh or i guess as close as like gardner Minshew, even though it's a similar style i think gardner's much better as as far as that type of quarterback so i'm gonna go arizona 24 20 yeah i'm gonna pick the cardinals too uh, i think it helps that they're at home um i'm a little concerned about them limiting kyler because let's let's be honest here like are they trying to go get that first round pick i know that they're technically not supposed to tank but um well, but I, I still think that they that they win this one. Uh, I have this one being a uh, close one too. Uh, I have this one being uh, twenty to twenty one, Arizona. And then next we have the Lions and the Chargers. Um, I noticed I have yet to pick a team other than the Lions. Every time we've done this, um, it's not changing this week. I am picking the Lions once again, though. Um. I think the Chargers, um, their defense has stepped it up, um, but I think the Lions pass rush, if they played how they did against the Chargers, might give Herbert some trouble. Um, and the Lions have been great at stopping the run, so I don't think Austin Eckler will really pick it up. Um, he's had a pretty rough sled on the, pretty rough sledding on the run um, ever since he's returned. Um, so I'm going to pick the Lions here, um, and so far it's not really a home field advantage much at all. So I think the Lions um, will take this one 31 to 24. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, the Chargers will be, uh, you know, much surprised about uh, how to stop the Lions. I, you know, I think the teams that are used to playing them are, are figuring some things out, but the Chargers aren't going to be one of them. They're not used to facing St. Brown and, um, you know, some of the weapons on the Lions, you know, throw in the, the two-headed monster at the running game. And I, I think the Lions are going to roll up a lot of points. Um, but I think you could say the same thing about the Lions playing the Chargers. Um, I think, uh, you know, the Chargers are having trouble finding that second weapon to go with Keenan Allen, the passing game. I mean, Eckler's had butterfingers out there if you watch the game. And Quentin Johnston hasn't done anything. I think you're going to see them use uh, Darius Davis a little bit more in this game and also Donald Parham. So um, I, ho I hope there's not a, uh, you know, coming out party of, of sorts there, but uh, I'm, I'm going to go. Uh, I also have to go Lions 
you don't want there to be a Parham party. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> Parham party don't stop. <laughs> <laughs> I I have the Lions winning this one. I think uh, kind of what we've talked about throughout this episode about the Chargers is like just kind of like they're just kind of in this weird place. Um, I don't. I th- I think the Lions pass rush gets to uh, Herbert, and I think they create some turnovers there. Um, I mean, I picked up Lions defense in fantasy this week just because I do think that they're going to have a good game. Uh, I have them winning this one 35 to 13. I don't have this one being close. Then next, we have the Giants and the Cowboys, America's game of the week, supposedly. Um, but I didn't put, put, didn't put much thought into this one. I mean, the Giants have Tommy DeVito. So if you're a betting person, bet the under on the Giants points. Um, Got the Cowboys easily. I'm going to have them winning this 31 to 3. 41 to 3, Cowboys. No need to talk about this one. Yeah, 42 to 6, Cowboys. <laughs> uh, <laughs> next, we have the Commanders and the Seahawks. This one's actually really interesting. I think um, I, I don't mind the Commanders team at all. I actually have the Commanders winning this game. Um, Emmanuel Forbes had a really good game last week, um, getting reinserted into the lineup. Um, obviously, they traded their um, two exterior pass rushers. They still had Jonathan Allen um, in the inside. So I do. I like the Commanders here. Geno Smith has been rough the last two weeks. Um, so I got the Commanders here, um, twenty-eight to twenty-seven. Uh, I do actually think it's going to be closer. Um... But uh, I, I don't think the um, commanders can go to Lumen Field, uh, you know, a 12th man and, uh, you know, win, win that game. Um, but saying all that, uh, I do think it'll be close. But, uh, you know, you got Weatherspoon, you got uh, some some weapons on that line that are going to get to Sam Howell. Um, I think there'll be two, three turnovers by Sam Howell easily. Um, but so I'm going to go Seattle 28 to 17. Yeah, I like Seattle's home field advantage here. I think that this is a good rebound game for uh, Geno Smith. Um, I have the Seahawks winning this one, 24-18. Then next, we have Sunday Night Football, Jets-Raiders. Interesting game here. Um, Raiders interim coach Antonio Pierce um, has made a big, uh, big impact, it seems. And I like the Raiders because of that. I think the team, uh, McDaniels lost the locker room. And I think this Raiders team with Aiden O'Connell at the helm and Josh Jacobs finally got um, a big game going last week. Um, Obviously, he's playing against the Jets, so that might be tough for him to really get going. (coughs) Sorry. Um, But I like the Raiders. I think Antonio Pierce um, has done well, and I think with Zach Wilson at the helm, I think Max Crosby will have a field day. So I have the Raiders winning this game 21 to 13. Yeah, I think Crosby is going to go and get no less than four or five sacks in this game. The Jets can't block. Um, I think he has something like 53 pressures this year, um, like 40 some tackles or something already. He's just having a, a crazy statistical year. I know we were talking about some of the big pass rushers and a previous episodes but um he's just having a monster year you know it's for the raiders so it's not talked about as much 
And I agree with the Antonio Pierce angle. Um, Raiders could have something like five or six field goals in this game because they're going to be on so many short fields. But then the Jets' defense is very good. So, you know, what's Aiden O'Connell going to do? Um, saying that, I've got this 24-13 to 13 Raiders. I'm going to go Jets here. Um, I like the Jets' defense. And, yeah, I, I think that they're they're in the mix there in the AFC East and they need to stay competitive here. Um I think the Jets defense uh over Max Crosby to uh just the Jets offense. I I like the Jets versus uh Aiden O'Connell. I have this one being close though, uh being seventeen to fifteen uh Jets. And then the last game, the Monday night game, we have the Broncos and the Bills. This one was tough. Um, I'm pretty high in the Broncos recently. I've really liked how they've played. And then the Bills, we mentioned, um, haven't played well recently. But I think the Bills being at home, I think uh, I think will be the Bills finally getting that rough stretch off of them. I think Josh Allen will have a big game. Um, and, yeah, I, I think it'll be a relatively good game, though. Um, I like what Russell Wilson, he's turned into more of a game manager. I like what he's done. Um, but I do like the Bills here. I'm going to have them winning this one, 24 to 21. Yeah, this game is very interesting. Um, we talked about the Bills and all the issues they have on really both sides of the ball. Um, I think uh, you got Sertan against Diggs, even though, you know, he might move around. Um yeah, Javante Williams has had about 50 touches the last couple games. I think he'll have a really big game against the Buffalo defense. Um, like, you know, Russell Wilson will manage the game the way he needs to. Um, I actually got the Broncos in this game, 24-23. Yeah, I have the Broncos with an upset uh, in this game, too. I like the way that they've been playing versus the way that the Bills have been playing recently. Um, so I have them winning this one 28-24. Uh, we have a lot of differences here, so it should be interesting. Um, we, somebody could have a really good week, really bad week, or we might all be the same. Um, all right, fellas, any other uh, any other final rants, thoughts that you guys want to get out um, to conclude uh, this episode? Uh, I only had one little bit of a rant because uh, you got the whole uh, – coach of the year last year was was brian dable um i don't i don't think everybody looked at the big picture when they made that decision so kind of just the whole daniel jones contract the way they kept that team the way they uh i i had this written down for earlier and uh, i just i just i got a voice that uh i just think what uh what the lions did last year i think campbell got slighted if i'm being perfectly honest in that whole organization and what we did so um, and I think it's proven on the field this year. I know it's not a two-year award. It's a one-year award. But uh, I think they got it right with Peterson, with Jacksonville. But I uh, just, yeah, with Dable, it just, uh, that just looks like a big train wreck. And it ain't just because of Daniel Jones, because they wouldn't be doing well with him either. So they're uh, they're going down a really bad path there. And um, that could turn into a whole big rebuild, potentially. And you didn't give money to Barkley, who's your franchise player so that's one thing that's kind of sticking out in my mind as we watch uh the game of the week like you said um <laughs> with dallas and the giants which nobody's gonna watch I'm, I'm gonna make a bold prediction uh uh for i'm gonna predict that 
the Bears and the Cardinals don't end up with the first and second pick. I think it's going to be Giants and um and Patriots. I, think it's I don't hate that at all. So I I I think a lot. Of, well, obviously, all the mocks are going Caleb Williams to the Cardinals, Caleb Williams, Bears, whatever. I I I, I see a scenario where those teams uh win some games or something like that, or maybe. Or like the Panthers and stuff like that, obviously. So yeah, I I think it's going to be a surprise number one team. It's not going to be one of those classic teams that people have been predicting. Yeah, I I have I have seen stuff about that. I do like that, and I think that'd make the NFL a lot more interesting having a team that nobody really expected. Um, and that might keep Bill Belichick in his job. Um. I'd say I'd say my only comments are uh, forward down the field and uh, let's wave those terrible towels as well. I'll be rooting for both. You picked the Packers. But I mean, is that is that the is, huh? You picked the Packers pick this the, week. You're not that rooting doesn't mean for I them. Won't be. <laughs> I pick the Steelers every week. <laughs> <laughs> I had picked them every week before this. I. I'm gonna call it. I'm going for my record here. I'm gonna be rooting for the Steelers, but I'm like, Jonathan. It, it was I don't a think, tough game to pick. I, th- I think Jonathan picked against the Steelers one of the last couple of weeks. Uh, I picked against he them for the Rams. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we, we picked against them the same amount of times. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> next, thing, next thing you know, Eli's gonna pick against the Lions. I won't be. I won't be doing that. I'm picking them every week. You might as well slate that. <laughs> Come on now. But like I told you, Jonathan, I I will say, I'm always going to root for the Steelers, but I'll never call them my second team. So, like, it's not like I have a huge affiliation, but I'll be like, I'll be like, it's like, it's, uh, how do I phrase this? You try Um, to compare TJ Watt to Miles Garrett. So you're not. Hey, by the way, by the way, by the way, in that, in that, in that conversation, it was completely disrespectful of me not to even mention Aaron Donald. I mean, that that was disrespectful to me because Max, we're talking Max Crosby and that's Max Crosby. If we're talking, if we're talking best defensive players in the past ten years, that's Aaron Donald's crown easily. But I yeah, mean, but we're talking about this year, not ten years. Yeah, I mean, I'd I say disagree. since T.J. Watt entered the league because that's the same year as Miles Garrett. So if you want to compare like those two, yeah, I mean Max Crosby this year, but Max Crosby. Like in his career versus TJ Watt, even t- his career versus Miles Garrett, not stop. The- I'll I'll go there. Oh, oh, for sure, for sure. But yeah, no, Max Crosby's a beast. Aaron Donald. Beast. That's different position. D- too. Different position, yeah. So that's kind of hard. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. Aaron Aaron Donald's arguably the best defensive player of the decade. I there's uh, arguments about that. I'd say. Yeah, I'm talking overall. I mean, he's arguably the best player at his position ever, too. But obviously, that's. But we we won't get that. We could argue about uh, best defensive player for a long time. I'd assume. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. But um, I think with that, I mean, like I said, we're gonna be rooting for our squads, rooting for our picks. Um, another great week with the. Fellas, here we're 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 on a steaming hot train here, and we're just—I don't know where I'm going with this, but we're red hot. Is all I gotta say. Um, uh, so I'd say with that, you know, 
this will conclude our episode of Speak Now. So speak now or forever hold your peace. Peace. Peace.